0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to read from Psalm 23 as we uh, begin the message today. Um, so I'm going to read from uh, NIV. If you have a Bible or YouVersion app on your phone, if you don't have a U-Version app, go into App Store right now, just download it. Um, it won't be ready for the time we, we sing this or uh, read this, but I would encourage you, get that on your phone. It's so helpful to have the Bible with you at all times. And uh, so I'm gonna read um, to you, but I would encourage you to read it along on your, whatever you're reading on today. Psalm 23, we're gonna read the whole thing, and then we're gonna get into our message. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, Psalms 23, one of the more famous Psalms. My message today is titled, Seven Souvenirs from Psalms 23. And it's summertime, we go on vacation, right? And we get souvenirs, you know, those little license plates with your name on them, which I feel are dying because people are naming their kids such weird names. Um, but, uh, you know, there's not like 13 names anymore. We all just name our kids the same, but it's, it, anyways. Um, when you go on vacation somewhere, when you, when you go somewhere, uh, you get a, um, you get a souvenir to remind you of that place. And this psalm is such an important psalm. I just believe that there's seven souvenirs, and obviously there's more than that out of this, but seven souvenirs you need to take with you uh, today. The theme here that David is um, communicating is God's uh, plenty. God has so much he wants to bless you with. God's presence and God's protection over your life. Um, I, I just say to you today, God didn't give you life so that you'd suffer here on earth for 80-ish years and die and go to heaven. That's not God's plan for your life, okay? That's not like, yes, I formed them in their mother's womb so that they would suffer on that horrible planet and one day be with me. God wants to bless you and care for you. Anybody believe that today? And yes, that's good. And and one of the ways God blesses you is his presence. And his presence, it's, it's God's desire that you wouldn't be alone, that you'd have intimacy with him, that he would be with you. And then God wants to protect you. When you go through difficulty, when you go through anything in life, you gotta believe that God will protect you. Have you ever gone through something and you look back on it and you go, oh my gosh, God had his hand on my life and covered me and protected me through that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I hope you have stories like that. I do. And and so David was communicating these things through Psalms 23. And so the first souvenir I wanna give you today is the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I love that. I lack nothing. I wonder what would change in our lives if we really believed that. Your attitude, your anxiety, your spending might change. Your gratitude, just your outlook on life would change if you believed, I lack nothing. If you would allow God to be your shepherd. See, when you allow God to shepherd you, your needs will be met. And they might not always be met in the way you wanted them to be met, but that's the promise that David's communicating in here is that when you allow him to shepherd you, your needs will be met. The problem often though, uh, with the Lord being our shepherd is that God has so much to compete with in our lives and it messes with who is our shepherd. See, what do shepherds do? Shepherds guide us, right? Right? You might not see a lot of shepherds walking around your neighborhood, okay? So you might not see, you know, this this practically happening. Um, But what what takes place in your life and mine is we just got way too many shepherds. I feel like every time I open Instagram, somebody's trying to shepherd me. Do you know what I'm talking about? You open it up and somebody's like, this is what you got to do with your money. You got to invest it in this and you got to, you know, diversify and blah, blah, blah. Somebody's always trying to shepherd you there. Or maybe it's parenting. You open it up. And some some parent or person, which, by the way, you cannot see the fruit of their advice because they only show you the good of their children, whatever, right? They're, they're saying, oh, this is how you got a parent. Like me, I'm just doing such a good job. Come on, stop lying to me. I'm not following you anymore. Why is that in my popular page? Or, you know, wherever it's, if, if, if it's something left political or right political, people are always trying to shepherd you. And, and you know, I mean, we got to respond to to parents and bosses, you can't go into work tomorrow and be like, the Lord is my shepherd, boss. Deal with it. I'm not listening to you. There's some some people who we need to listen to, clearly, but and, and often these are great people. But at the end of the day, we gotta know that the Lord is our shepherd, that that's what guides us in life. So what does that mean? Well, it means just do whatever it is you feel like in the moment and then just say, oh, God told me to do it, and it'll be fine. I'm joking. I'm messing with you this morning. Come on. That's not what you you do. What does the shepherd carry? Again, we don't see often shepherds, but let's put our heads back to Christmas time. What's the shepherd have? A big old hook, right? A shepherd has that big hook. What do they do with it? They hook the neck of the sheep that's wandering towards danger. That's why we need a shepherd. It means that I don't just do whatever I want in my life. I run it past God not just the the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in the moment. I run it through the word of God and see, does that align with this? And so every time I open this, I'm not just looking for, oh God, just bless me and make it feel good in the room right now where I'm reading this. I am looking for what are lines in this book that need to be hooks on my neck to pull me away from the stupidity that I put my head into and I get my life off track with. So I'm looking for, okay, shepherd, you know best. Lead me. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by my political views, not by my hormones, teenagers. Okay, you guys and your, and your I don't even want to, don't even get me started. We're going to talk about that at youth camp in a couple weeks, all right? We'll wait for that. No, I'm coming after you guys there. Um, actually, we're going to make Adam do it, so he's the bad guy. I, I, I'm not going to do it. Or are we led by our materialism, or whatever. Led by comparison, we have to be careful about this. We we got to let Him shepherd us. And and often times we are just so into letting people shepherd us, and then we're wondering why do I feel this shame? It's because often we allow people around us who make us feel ashamed when they correct us, and that's not God's way. The Lord's my shepherd. And I need to let him get me out of the fence that I got my head stuck in again. And can I just encourage you today that there's a big difference between being a believer and a follower of Jesus. Man, I I love the term believer. I I do believe in Jesus, but I actually want to follow him as well. I actually want to allow him to lead me as well. I encourage you that if you're not getting what you wanted out of this relationship, maybe it's because you're just believing and, and not actually allowing him to lead. And where does, this, where does this shepherd lead us? What's David say? Green pastures. What's that mean? Peace and renewal. This is the literal, literal translation for that would be peace and renewal. These verbs they were using. And, and then what does it say? Waters. When David says waters, what's he talking about? Every sort of rest. Every sort of rest. That's where God wants to lead you. He refreshes. The next souvenir is... He refreshes my soul or restores my soul, many translations say. God provides forgiveness and peace for those who follow him. You are not doing anyone any favors by hung up on all you've done wrong, by getting hung up on all you've done wrong. God wants to restore you and replenish you. And God will correct you, but when God corrects you, he corrects you for restoration, not condemnation. Man, he wants to correct you so that he can get you back on track on the plans that he has for your life, not so you can just feel horrible about yourself for the rest of your life and one day die and it'll all be good. And what I find is sometimes we're afraid of correction because of an abusive leader in the past. Or sometimes we're afraid of correction because we don't want the shame that comes with it. Can I just tell you, that's not how God corrects us. God doesn't add that shame to us. We add that. The enemy adds that. People add that. We got to know that when God corrects us, he doesn't add the shame that comes with us. And so often there's people that are afraid of correction and you cannot direct them. You cannot correct them. You cannot give them advice. They'll put their guards up. Why? Because they're not allowing you to put the shame on them that other people put on them. Often it's people who grew up in a family that had a shame-based background. And we just got to know, hey, push that stuff aside. Push the shame aside encourage and take on that correction. Because what happens with that correction? God will refresh our soul. The shepherd pulls you back from danger, not to shame you, but to protect you. And how many people know we need refreshing? Do you know that 64% of what you consume on social media is negative? It's crazy. And people are just, they're just more brave and bold, and they would just say some stuff behind that screen that they wouldn't say to you in person. Have you ever met someone that you only knew on social media and then when you meet them, they're nothing like what they what they are on social media in real life? Or, or maybe you, you it's the other way around. You know someone, you're like, I love this person. Then you see them on social media, are like, dang, you're a savage out there. Like, you don't talk like that in real life. What happens is people go on social media and they act more negative than they actually are. And what happens is it's causing us to be more depressed. Obviously, there's comparison that comes into it as well with social media. But this is crazy. I was just doing some research on this. And there's a direct link between when a child starts using social media and when child suicide rates go up. That's crazy. And even just the study, the only study I could find online that was like legit was from 2017 in our province. And it was just shy of 600 kids under the age of 14, attempted suicide and needed medical attention from it. That's just the reported ones. Hmm. Our souls need refreshing. This is why church is important. This is why reading the Bible to your children is important. Dads, this is why it's important for us to do more than mow the lawn. This our jobs as leaders of our homes. Come on, I, I'm not trying to make you feel condemned this morning. I'm, try, I'm trying to get you fired up about it is your job as a dad to, to make sure that this word gets into your home and to make sure your kids get here on Sunday mornings. Man, I'm so proud of so many dads in our church that are just doing such a good job of this. This is why being an intentional parent is important. And we can't just hope that being around is enough. It's got to be more than that. we got to be intentional to make sure that our kids are raised in ways that they're going to be brave courageous kids that have the word of God in their heart and understand their identity in Christ. I will say this that um that there's hey I'm I'm my kids about to go into kindergarten so I get it there's going to be bullies coming but they can have the word of God in their heart before that bully shows up. There's going to be false things that are spoken in schools to your children and over your children. Make sure the word of God is in their hearts before that Person, whoever that may be, puts that falseness and that, that false teaching into their heart. And it's so, it's so important, dads, that we lead our homes in this way. It's so tempting to rely on sports and hobbies and video games and whatever it is to refresh our souls. Hey, I get it. I have a hobby that I love that refreshes my soul. But at the end of the day, I know that it is empty compared to the word of God. He restores my soul. He is the source of my restoration. And and come on, in, in 1 Thessalonians, what's Paul say? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Keep praying, keep connecting, keep allowing the Holy Spirit to meet you where you are. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit in all circumstances. I'll just give you two practical ways that maybe you can work this out. I think I got this from a book called Practicing the Presence. Um, and uh, it, it's been good so far. I've read like 10 pages, but um, but it just says, hey, if you want to pray without ceasing, you're praying in all circumstances, so what we're trying to do is create prayer as a response to everything that happens in life, and there's two ways you can build that, two disciplines you can build that. You can pray for an hour every day. You can build it all up and spend time in that prayer just ripping and just praying over that, and you say, hey, maybe I don't have time. It's okay. Just turn off Netflix. All of a sudden, you have three hours every night, and um, and uh, you can do that. Or don't let an hour go by that you don't pray. Sheesh, that's good. We need to know the knowledge of God, the Word of God. But we also need the presence of God. We're, we, I, I, I struggle to memorize this thing, and I'm a pastor, okay? I get it. We need to get that Word of God in your heart. It's hard work to get the Word of God in your heart. But you also need the presence of God in your life. He doesn't promise everything's going to be perfect. But as David tells us, he refreshes our soul. This is why I love youth camps. Well, I love camps like what we're doing. This is why it's so important to get your kids to that. Because what happens is in that adolescence time, I talked about hormones earlier. I, I don't know the, all the science behind it, but kids just go nuts from like 12 to, well, let's be honest, like 25. Uh, <laughs> but but, but 12, 12 to 18. Um, I know I did. I'm, you know, I'm young enough to remember. I was like insane. Like, like it was just like, there's so much in our emotions going on and it gets us off track. And it's a time where the enemy really does attack from all sorts of, of areas. And I'm not trying to develop fear in you. I'm just trying to tell you that this is why we do, this is why it's such a big deal to us because what we're doing at youth is we're, we're trying to teach obviously the daily, the omnipresence of God that's always with us. But Those night services where we put distractions aside and we just take time to worship and we have long services is a time for the manifestation of the presence of God as well. And in those times of manifestations where often the Holy Spirit speaks word on people's hearts that they carry for years going forward. How many people know, maybe this is a better way to explain it. I I don't know about you, but looking back on 2020 and 2021, I know I did some stupid stuff because of the emotions that were happening inside of me. I know that I, I believed some silly stuff in that time. And I made some, some decisions that I probably wouldn't have made looking back on it. But what happened? My emotions got all messed up because the world was so wild. I just feel like that's what a youth's life is like <laughs> at all times. Yeah. That stuff gets kind of wonky. And I'm not trying to speak anything over you. I'm just trying to say that's the reality. These hormones are going nuts. And we need the presence of God, the truth, and youth leaders around us to help us in our next steps in our walk with God. And, and so it's so good to have that refreshing of our soul in youth camps. And then David says he he chooses paths of righteousness, paths that are right with him. He he's helps us by giving us a, a righteous path, path. And I'm going to give you a little bonus one here. This is just a little short one. So there's actually eight. It's like the, the souvenir you get at the till, a quick one that you're like, I wasn't going to get that O Henry, but I'm going to get it now. Um, just because it's here. He says, for his name's sake. Do you know that you're God's legacy? That you're a child of God. And so his children represent who he is, just like your children represent who you are. Even though sometimes you don't want them to represent who you are and reflect who you are as a parent. Um, I know some days I don't. But the good shepherd's reputation is on the line. God has a reputation to protect. And David is telling us God cares about his reputation through your life and mine. Isn't that crazy? I love that. For his name's sake, he guides you on the right path for his name's sake, to give him street cred about how good he is. (laughs) And there is a confidence that you can approach life with when you know that God is concerned about his own reputation through your life. I love that. Then David says what? Next souvenir, I'll fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I love how David flips how he's talking. He starts by just talking about this is who God is. This is what God does. And then he flips it and he says, this is how I respond. I'll fear no evil. I love that. I had friends, parents growing up that they meant well, but they made the devil seem more powerful than God and how they talked about evil. And and what happened was that they almost romanticized all that the devil could do. And I think they meant well. They were just trying to keep us out of doing some dumb things. But the way they spoke and the things they spoke over us did not not, uh, encourage us in a sense of all the authority that we have in Christ. Can I just tell you, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're more powerful than the devil. You can walk into any circumstance. There can be all kinds of demonic things going on. And you don't have to have any fear at all because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Man, they cannot stand the presence of God. They cannot be in the presence of God. And and what I find is that so often people are scared of evil. And what happens is they get fear in them and fear is rooted in not trusting God. So how do we work out fear? How do we get fear out of us? You have to put yourself in situations where you have to trust God. You have to put yourself in situations, you have to actually take steps of faith to say, if God doesn't show up, man, it's gonna be bad. I need to put myself in a situation where God has to move. Here's a practical one. Just share your faith. You start talking and you're just like, oh my gosh, what am I saying right now? This is sounds so dumb. Uh, or invite someone to church. Scary. God, Holy Spirit, you have to, you have to, you have to help me here. I'm gonna be like a babbling idiot. Here's here's a good one. Set goals that you couldn't do on your own. Set goals that if you tell someone about them, they'll be like, you're dumb. Don't set that goal for your life. Force God to show up. And then what happens is when you face evil. Your trust is already built, and you can look back and go, well, I know he came here, there. I know he showed up. I know that was God doing X, Y, Z. And so I'm not afraid of evil because I trust God. And if you don't fear evil, all of a sudden you can go into situations where people need God to show up. I'll quickly say this, university students, we just felt it on our heart that we need to find a way to get back into our campuses, to get back into our universities. I've all too often heard, oh, I just don't like the way the world is going. Then take the Holy Spirit with you and go get into what those situations are and make sure that the Holy Spirit shows up wherever the world is going. I uh, An and example of, of what we're working on is we're working with an organization called Red Frogs. And what Red Frogs is going to allow us to do is not be a faith-based organization uh, so that we can go into uh, parties and called safeguarding, and just get in there and get some Christians, get some students in, into these parties, to ensure that people are safe, that people get home safe. Like one third of I read this study, one third of women will experience sexual violence, and many of those those occurrences are on college campuses. And by the grace of God, we can get in there and be the hands and feet of Jesus and safeguard those parties. And hey, we don't have to go in there and stand on a soapbox. We just go in there and give people water, give people rides home, give people some Timbits, get them sobered up and just watch for situations and watch for people being predators and allow the Holy Spirit to move on our campuses in our cities. We can't just sit in church and pray. It doesn't happen. John 15, in in all this, fearing no evil. John 15, 19 says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. I'll tell you what evil that I find myself afraid of. We're often, the evil that we're afraid of is people hating us. We gotta be okay with the world hating us. You will feel a pressure from the world, to start to change your view on the world. And people will say stuff like, oh, you Christians, you need to get with the times. You need to understand the world we live in. Things are different. You guys need to get with the times. That's what somebody told me recently. You need to get with the times. Can I just tell you, when you get to heaven, God is not going to look at you and say, so, did you get with the times? <laughs> Did you understand the culture that you were living in and, and get with the times? What's he gonna say? Well done, good and faithful servant. What's that built off? I gave you the word of God. I gave you this to live by. Sure, I loved you, but it, said, it says a whole lot more in this times that God's, in, in this word that God is holy more than God is love because that's the thing everybody wants to preach. God is love, just be loving. Well, it says a whole lot more that God's holy. And and so I have a way stronger conviction to to figure out what that holiness is and live up to that standard and not worry about who's hating me. You'll feel pressure to change. But if it has biblical backbone, you gotta be okay with people hating you. Be okay with not fitting neatly into either political camp as well. We don't belong to the world. Guess who created those those, uh, political camps? It wasn't God. The world created those. And I think that's the other trap we can fall into, is that we just love everything in this camp or that camp just because that's what people like us believe. No, people like us believe this. And so if you find yourself not fitting neatly into one of those camps, that's a good thing. I'll tell you this quickly, um, just so I'm not afraid of people hating me, and you can just hate me for it if you want. Um, But I would primarily vote conservative. I'm sorry those people who and, and my that would be my views but within that where I feel like I don't fit in with other conservatives is that I don't think um, conservatives for the most part protect and value the environment enough I don't think there is enough on that side of things to, to to respect the world that we live in now I'm not gonna go ahead and ride my bike naked around the city like people did yesterday to anyways. I accidentally drove my family past that naked bike parade yesterday. So I'm a little bit, I'm actually just confessing my sin is what I'm doing. And I should probably get back to preaching. But, um, but can I just tell you that it's okay to not neatly fit into whatever political camp that you subscribe to. And people will be upset about our beliefs on certain things. But please don't give in to the pressure to please them. Because it's easier? Because it seems more loving? Because we can be loving and disagree with people. It is not our job to befriend people that we disagree with and then hold them accountable for their sin. Who does that for you? I don't have friends that I'm like, come on over and hold me accountable for my sin, guys. Love you. I don't go into my friend's house who are far from God, who we have some beliefs that we disagree on, and I go and go in there and go, "Are you kidding me? You're watching this movie in front of your children. Are you you cursed in front of your kids? Are you kidding me? You guys are drinking Bud Heavies in front of your kids. What are you doing? You know that's that is not that, that, that is, I'm not holding. That, that's not what we're called to do. And I think that's the other side of it, is that we have these beliefs in our heart, and then we feel that we're supposed to hold people accountable to live the same way that we live. Now there's, obviously this is, a, this is a big topic. There's more we can talk about in there. Um, I'm just going to say, you got to be okay with being an outsider at sometimes, And you got to be okay with loving people you disagree with. But you also have to be okay with people hating you for your views. And that being said, fear no evil. Jesus <laughs> sat, ate with tax collectors, sinners, love those people. There's a tension. There's a tension we have to live in. We gotta understand how needed we are in certain friend groups, in our community, in politics, um, staying connected with those who are far from God. Who is it in your life that's far from God that just needs you to be close to them? You know why you need to be close to them? Because you bring the omnipresence of God with you. So, you, yeah, you don't even have to quote script, scripture to bring the omnipresence of God with you. Just in the way that you love and care for their kids and you're around them, you bring the omnipresence of God with you. Okay, then David says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's he talking about here, rod and staff? God's presence and protection comforts us. Be careful what you allow to comfort you. In the Western world, there's so much to offer as far as comfort goes. Have you ever looked for comfort in something? You've been so looking forward to something, just believing that this this thing, whatever it is, is going to give you this feeling that you've been looking for? And then you finally get that thing, whatever it is. It's like a vacation or a job or a house or a car. You get there and you think you're going to feel a certain way and you kind of go, that's it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I just think that that's what happens when we look for comfort in things other than the Holy Spirit. Like, it's kind of like that couch that you sit on and at first you're like, oh, this is a comfy couch. But it's a little bit older. And so as the sort of padding goes down, some stuff starts to poke out and touch you and you're like, oh, this is gross. That's not the comfort I was looking for. I'll just say this this morning. The Holy Spirit is the couch that'll always do it. Imagine a person that always knew when you needed comfort and how you needed comfort. But we we often find ourselves filling that need for the Holy Spirit with cheap substitutes. I'm gonna use alcohol as an example. So I think a lot of people look to alcohol for comfort. In Ephesians 5.18, says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to the debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's like pretty clearly le- le- uh, laying out here that we would use a cheap substitute for the Holy Spirit. And we need to fill that place with the Holy Spirit, not alcohol. Here's the, here's the trouble we get into with alcohol. We allow it to be our comfort. Here's, I'll just give you a danger zone that you might've gotten into. I need a drink. You find yourself saying that, thinking that? I need a drink? Danger zone. A healthy relationship to alcohol is that you control the alcohol. It doesn't control you. And I'll say this. Alcohol is for celebration, not devastation. When alcohol controls you, it becomes an issue. And I would say, if you've had issues with it, it might not be worth touching at all. If you're getting into some danger zone with it, just back off and say, I'm just not going to touch that for a long time until the cravings go away. I got to just do a reset. You just have to know where you stand on it. For me, I do drink. I I enjoy a nice Budweiser on the weekend, okay? So sue me, all right? Now you know a couple of deep things about me. It'll be fine. Um, But I understand its place in my life. When I'm hurting, when I'm going through something, alcohol is not, I'm not cracking a Budweiser. I'm not touching that stuff. It is for celebration, not devastation. David says, it's your presence and protection. We're never in situations that God is not aware of. He never leaves us or forsakes his people. What happens? Our cup overflows. How many minutes of our lives do we spend focusing on what we do not have? There's almost a comfort in comparison that we just get wrapped up in a cycle of it and, and you just start to think, oh, their cup is overflowing so much more than mine. Ugh. Can I, I'm just going to pick on social media again because so many of us are on it and spend so much time on it and it really does mess with a lot of us. There is an awesome social media platform on your phone. Really good. Delete all of the typical ones. Just get rid of them if you're having a problem with comparison. Just take a break from them and just use this one app. It's called the Photos app on your iPhone. It's your life. It's your neighborhood. It's your family. It's your church. It's your friends. Start to look through that thing. Start to like those things. Start to realize the cup that's overflowing in your life. I just tell you, this is a powerful act of allowing God to show you the fact that your cup is overflowing. And you. what you'll find is you can see so much more clearly when you're not worried about who bought a Tesla and you just look at a picture of your daughter eating ice cream, geez, you'll realize your cup really is overflowing. The secret to happiness is being content. That's a posture that you can look at your life through. My cup is overflowing. I think too many of us are waiting for our cup to overflow. Can I just tell you, it's already overflowing. You're just not looking at it. You're just not realizing it. You're not paying enough attention to it. You're waiting for something un- up and coming to make it happen, and guess what? You're never going to get there if you're doing that. Appreciate today and look at what God is doing today, and here's what David said. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Okay? Not just in the summer days, not just one day, not just when your debt is paid, not when you get that new car or that new house. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That's a Jeez, I got a couple more. I'm close, guys. That's our next souvenir. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Many translations say mercy. God's blessing is on his people and will remain on them no matter what their circumstances may be. God sees your need. You just got to believe he's big enough to meet it. Allow that to be a prophetic word for your life. Your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There's so much negativity, stress, and anxiety around there, out there in the country right now. Can we just be bold enough to believe what God's word says? In his goodness, he will provide. And when we mess up, what's gonna happen? Are our lives just gonna burn up right there? Are we just gonna screw up God's plan for our life forever? No. What's Psalm 23 say? His mercy is chasing us. His love is chasing. Other translations say chasing, following, like a stalker. And so, so often we think like, it's like, oh, you know, I messed up, I'm so far from God's plan for my life. And, and you turned your back and what, what's, what's behind your back is God's mercy, his grace, his goodness. Like, hey, I'm here, just waiting for you to turn around and realize I've been following you all the days of your life. It follows you wherever you wandered, And what is our response to that? The final souvenir. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's writing that he would enjoy full communion. He'd fully enjoy communion with the Lord. And this Hebrew verb translated, I will dwell, it conveys the idea of returning, of coming back to what we we were meant for is communion with the Lord. We don't need to be entertained by the church. That's not what dwelling in the house of the Lord is about. We need to be equipped by the local church. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is is all about just seeing God's goodness. It's all about uh, intimacy with him. And so this is not only a declaration by David saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, it's also a, a blessing. He's declaring a blessing. Like this is, oh, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. And this is partially achieved through just the process of sanctification, of just wanting to be holy like God is holy and being able to see his face more. Psalm 139, I love how Eugene Peterson worded this, beautiful. Investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me. Test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me on the road to eternal life. It's got to get to a place where you just say, I'm so done with the garbage I've allowed. I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I just want to see his, I, I'm so done with the cheap alternatives for comfort. I'm so done with trying to please people. It's, it's I'll just tell you, just going through COVID and trying to lead a church, I think you're never going to please everybody. You have to be comfortable with that and just understand God has a God has a plan for your life. You're, and, and, and you just have to stick with that and unapologetically be who God's called you to be. Unapologetically look to his word to correct you every day. Say, God, just get your hook around my neck and pull me back. Be humble enough for that to allow him to shepherd you. And just resist the the junk that you allowed. When you dwell in the house of the Lord, when you spend time in someone's home, you really get to know them. I just pray that you get to a place where you're so frustrated with all the junk and you just say, I just want Jesus. I don't don't care about anything else. I just want Jesus. I just wanna know his word. I just wanna crave his word every day. I think one of the ways the enemy kind of gets in and messes with us is he thinks that we have to um, focus on uh, trying to correct everything around us. Oh, I got to fix this. I got to make this better. I got to make my life look better. I got to change how I talk or I got to change how I how I act and spend my time and whatever. We don't need to remove sin. There's nothing we could do to earn our, our salvation. We just need to draw near to Jesus and, and just have the room that we look for comfort. We look for it in the Holy Spirit. Then there's no room for all that other other mess, all that other stuff to mess us up. God, would you stir our spirits to want to make an impact for your kingdom, to love you so much that we would spend our days not trying to just be entertained and enjoy the moments with whatever cheap alternative we have, but God, would we just have a new desire for your presence in our lives? I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for just the stories, the lives that are changed through baptism today. God, would we just... Allow that to be a, a symbol for us of how you really just love us so much and we can just put, past, put down that old life, bury it and realize, oh, there's so much goodness in you. There's so much more that you have for us. God, thank you for Psalm 23. Pray that you'd correct us, refresh us, encourage us, comfort us, forgive us and bless us, God. We want to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at CelebrationEmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.